All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our shining faces and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we'll pull your teeth out and electrocute the exposed nerves. (laughs) And now, Howlerpod. I feel old and older still when I hear Diomedes' moan coming down the corridor. In it, I hear the grief I fear I'll one day feel. How on that day, I might think back to this moment now and wonder what I could have done differently to avoid my loved one's destruction. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, your podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? Uh, It's Lightbringer Reread, chapters 48 to 54. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully, we don't shit our suits. Chapter 48, Darrow the Tickler. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still working on your several laugh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hear it in my head differently. Mm-hmm. It comes out sillier than than what I mean. <laughs> All right. Darrow wakes to Lyria pounding on his door. Severo is torturing the prisoner. Darrow follows Lyria to the med bay and Cassius follows close behind. The door is locked and the controls are smashed. Severo is inside with Diomedes hooked up to cables. He's pulling his teeth and electrocuting the exposed nerves. Cassius tells Lyria to go to the bridge and initiate the fire protocols to unlock the door. She heads off. When the door unlocks, they all rush in. Ara shoves Severo so hard that she breaks her finger and he almost moves. I thought that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Almost moves. Darrow tells him to stop and he's like, Fine, and waltzes out of the room. Cassius wants to beat his ass, so Darrow says, go right ahead, because he's fucking tired of this <laughs> shit. He's like, we're going to have another corridor fight, and then you'll be friends after. That's how these things work. <laughs> so Cassius rushes to catch Severo, and Darrow follows. The two throw insults at each other, both going way over the line. Very personal insults. They start to wrestle, and both land impressive blows. They both get a little beat up. And then Lyria has been watching with Darrow and she has had enough. She yells at them to stop and rushes forward, but gets TKO'd by Cassius's backswing. <laughs> Cassius rushes her to the med bay. He's like, no, 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 no. Not my eaglet. During the fight, Cassius said something about Severo not being there when Victor needed him most, which was a low blow. They were all low blows. That was the lowest. <laughs> it was a lot of low blows traded back and forth. Darrow asks what that was about, and Severo tells him about Ulysses. 
about how he can't go back to Mars now because he wasn't there when Victra needed him most. And how can he face her now? All he's good for is being the goblin, not Severo. Darrow gives him an uplifting speech, as he does, about how they need Severo, not just the goblin. The goblin just makes appearances, but mostly they need (laughs) Severo. Darrow says either he gets with the pack or he heads back to Mars, and the choice is Severo's. Chapter 49, Lysander Vavictus. New friends, Atlas and Lysander, (laughs) head into the city of Plutus on Io to meet with Fa. Atlas is going to tell him that the savior has arrived early and that his planned three-year reign is being cut short. Lysander is looking around. He's noting the destruction of the city uh, as they ride along. And then he laments that the Ascomani are taking the citizens uh, of the city back to the Far Inc. as slaves. They reach the arbor of Akari where they meet Fa's kinshield. Lysander is surprised by how cultured they are. He was expecting savages. They sit in the arbor and discuss politics and philosophy. Oh, they're such fun soup students. <laughs> well, Lysander asks some questions about the battles that took place in the Volk. Uh, Fa then returns, and he has brought spectacle with him. It's a dragon to be feasted upon. Atlas and Fa and the Kinshield embrace like old friends. And Lysander, he's like weirded out by how warm Atlas is to them all. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like Atlas has never been nice to <laughs> I thought he was a reptile. Uh, they're like old friends. Uh, Fa lets him know that Sungrave has been broken. And during the conversation, something curious occurs. Atlas tells Fa he sounds ridiculous and to take that out. Fa then takes out a voice modulator and Lysander sees behind the curtain for the first time. Fa is a Rod, he's not an obsidian warlord from the Far Inc. He's a fancy boy. <laughs> he just wants to retire to his high-end estate and raise Pegasi. Pegasuses. Pegasuses. Is that so much to ask? No. He's really ac- uh, actually happy to learn that Lysander will be taking over for him and liberating Ilium. It means he gets to retire three years earlier. Atlas, Lysander, and Fa then discuss their next steps. And uh, Atlas alludes to needing Vela, who was taken prisoner and is sitting in a cell with a broken back for something. Lysander wonders what exactly. But before he learns, they come upon Gaia's cell. She is Atlas's mother, of course, and we learn that she killed the children of the Raw family by her own hand, except for one, the youngest, Thalia, who is also a prisoner. She couldn't do it. Fa hasn't killed her yet either because he didn't want to do it in front of Volga and look savage. And uh, before he can kill her now, Lysander's like, Alice, we got to save her. We should keep her around. She could serve as a future asset, someone for him to marry when she is of age. This would help to sell that new piece that they're trying to broker between the core and the rim. Uh, Atlas, he thinks about it. He relents and tells Lysander he will consider it, sparing her life for now. Very sad for Gaia. Chapter 50, Lysander, heavy is the head. Atlas catches Fa up on the new order of things. Like Ben said, his reign will now last three weeks instead of three years, thanks to Lysander swooping in with his ships to save the day. So we learn, of course, he doesn't like being a murderous warlord. He wants to live that sweet pixie lifestyle in anonymity. No more (laughs) being in charge of the army. 
Atlas asks about Volga, concerned that she will not go along with Fa once she learns the whole truth about how Atlas is running the show. And that Fa is not a guy that talks like this. <laughs> Atlas suggests bloodying her in battle, getting her hands dirty so she shares liability, and then will be less likely to not agree to go with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we learn of the plan. Lysander will do an iron rain and take back the garter, then destroy all the Askamani and end up with a fake fahead to prove his death. Atlas will be on a moon called Orpheus, securing the Edme, Edme, eat me, the virus that can wipe out any color on any sphere, even gold. Mm. Who would make such a weapon? Lysander asks why Atlas killed his whole family, but spared Gaia. What kind of monster would kill his own mother, says Fa. <laughs> Chapter 51, Darrow, Midnight Lands. The Archimedes arrives on Io. They sneak down to the moon, but don't want to get too close to Sungrave in case there are any patrols around. Darrow is both impressed and horrified by Fa's conquering of Io and the destruction of Sungrave. He did not think it was possible unless he was the one to do it. Darrow and Severo head out in their new god killer armor. It's pretty fucking sweet. Uh, they head towards Sungrave. They're like skipping along the mountains and shit. On their way to pass through the city of Dark... Cut, cut. On their way, they pass through the city of Darkfall. And it is completely empty. It's kind of weird. At that moment, they realize uh, what all those cargo haulers flying off Io were carrying... It was human cargo. Darrow thinks about their fate and asks himself, if these people are his enemies, then why does he want to weep? Because it's fucking sad, dude. (laughs) Chapter 52, Darrow, Sungrave. Severo and Darrow are scouting at the top of a mountain. Severo sees Cassius and Ore approaching and a third unexpected visitor, Diomedes. Darrow goes to the base of the mountain to ask, what's up? Cassius says it's in their best interest to let Diomedes see what happened to his home and that having a raw on their side out here would be helpful. Darrow asks Are if Diomedes would keep his parole if he asked for it, and she says that breaking his honor would be the ultimate dishonor to the dead. Severo jumps down onto the bike in front of Diomedes, gets his parole for himself, and says, let's stop wasting time. <laughs> Sungrave has been absolutely destroyed. As they enter deeper and deeper into the raw mountain stronghold, they see where its defenders died. They find decaying head of the dragon Abraxes, the sigil beast of the raw herd, and uh, it was Grandpa's pet dragon. Poor Grandpa. Darrow feels righteous anger, wanting to right these wrongs, but knowing the folly of that desire, because he ain't got no army. (laughs) He sends Severo, Cassius, and Ore to the market to light the Omega Torch and stays behind with Diomedes. Darrow then takes off Diomedes' helmet and asks him for his parole. Diomedes gives him a solemn nod, and Darrow unlocks his cuffs. Chapter 53, Eyes of Stone. Darrow and Diomedes search the raw family compound. They find the dead bodies of Diomedes' brothers, Marius and Pelerin, but there are others that are unaccounted for. Diomedes sends coordinates to Cassius through Darrow so that he can check some underground bunkers. 
while Severo and Ore wait to hear from Athena at the perfume shop in the market. Darrow gives Diomedes time to mourn his family, and then he starts a conversation about Fa. He wants to know what Diomedes knows about him. Diomedes won't really, he won't share anything and asks Darrow why he hasn't killed him yet. Darrow explains that uh, maybe, you know, we have more in common than you think there, brother. <laughs> and he explains uh, why he is an Ilium and that he's looking for Athena and her ships and that he uh, wants to broker a deal between Diomedes and Athena against their greater adversary, Fa. Then Darrow opens up his own conspiracy corner. <laughs> he said, Diomedes, come on in. Uh, he tells Diomedes about all the little details of Fa's invasion that don't add up. There's a lot of a lot of suspicious shit going on. While not yet a full member of the conspiracy corner, Diomedes is clearly intrigued, but not giving away much. But before they can get into it further, Darrow gets a call from Cassius. They have company. It's the Volk, Daryl's old centurion, Scarred, and his crew. Uh, they're gathering up some low colors, including pink and violet children, taking them off on some ships and stuff. Cassius cannot let this stand because he's the best. He's a very moral knight. <laughs> and uh, Darrow tries to get Cassius to stand down, stay on mission, but he must. I must. <laughs> <laughs> so Darrow's like, I'm going to go. Diomedes, can you make it back to the perfume shop? Diomedes is like, sure. Uh, Darrow's like, he's lying, but I don't have time for this. I'm going to shoot off and help Cassius. So he flies away and then goes to save Cassius because he's like, he's not going to be able to take the whole crew by himself. Mm-hmm. Also, it's Scard. 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 <laughs> Scared. <laughs> Don't you speak, Volk? Scared. Scared. <laughs> the Volk. Scared. <laughs> You're really good at that. Thank you. I listened to the audiobook. Chapter 54, Darrow. Pela, Pela, Pela! Sorry if that was loud in your ears. <laughs> the obsidians are almost to their ship. Darrow runs slash flies full speed to get to Cassius, almost totally wiping out. <laughs> He's flying through like rooms, you know, <laughs> in the grotto. <sighs> the grotto sounds nice. <laughs> full of dead people. Well, before that. Cassius can't wait any longer. He begins his attack. He takes out three before they know what hit them, but nine remaining are now on alert darrow sees cassius doing the pala maneuver but darrow taught his braves how to defend against such an attack they form into three groups of three wedges and defend against cassius's flyby cassius doesn't see the obsidians with grav boots shoot up behind him as cassius prepares his return flyby darrow gives him a warning he's able to dodge the first two obsidians above him but gets hit by a heavy hammer throwing him down to the ground and he smashes his face. Pew. Concussion. <laughs> Darrow enters the fight. He kills the three airborne obsidians as he falls from above, then engages with those left on the ground. Cassius and Darrow kill all but two who make it to the transport. It lifts off and Cassius jumps in right before the ramp closes. Darrow follows, stabbing Badlass into the hole to hang on to the top of the ship. The ship then bucks suddenly 
and Darrow is thrown off, falling until he catches himself with his grab boots. The transport crash lands, and Darrow goes to find Cassius stumbling out of the ramp. They go in and find the prisoners alive in cages. Some have broken arms and legs, but they're crying with relief mm. that the gold saved them. It seems the only bill is a concussion for Cassius, or so they think. Bum, bum, bum. Ending on a cliffhanger this week. A cliffhanger. All right. Now that we know what happened, let's talk about the theme for this week's chapters. The theme for these chapters is... Building bridges. <laughs> I feel like we used this theme in the past. <laughs> I don't remember it. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I just, I kind of, I felt like... I have the best memory. and we Maybe did, I'd we used did. it before, but if I have, I like it. And if you remember, good for you. <laughs> Way to pay attention. So we've got, you know, several relationships that are trying to be, you know, either repaired or stitched back together, formed or new relationships that are being established. So uh, let's start with Atlas. So we, we've really learned about like the depths of his plan last week. Yes. And we're getting even more information this week, finding out that Fa's a faker and... Just a fancy boy. Yes. Lysander's going out there to like build this new bridge where he's going to basically take over for Fa uh, and, you know, fake defeat him in battle. Yes. And they're going to have this whole this handoff. This is building a bridge against his will. <laughs> yes. And why does he need to build that bridge? And Atlas explains with our first quote here. Periods of trauma are traded for periods of peace. The greater the trauma, the longer the peace. Bear it. And this year will be the last year of war you see in your lifetime. Hey, you know what? We could also not murder everybody. <laughs> Hear me out. So this is really like Atlas's whole ethos. And we hear this a couple different times throughout this set of chapters. Like Lysander will like object to something. Like he doesn't want to like sack every single moon. And uh, Atlas is like, nope, nope. Got to make a great trauma for great peace. And so, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but then he's like, I'll give you one moon. <laughs> yes. So it's like all these choices are uh, all these things being laid out in front of Lysander and he's like trying to have this like moral compass but still like allowing all of this horrible shit and kind of justifying it to himself that he's not allowing like the most horrible shit to happen I mean, you know like Thalia like he's not allowing you know like a nine-year-old girl to get killed but he'll marry her but, <laughs> yes <laughs> but he'll keep her around and trick her into like marrying him under false pretenses in the future yeah so. great you know, like whatever. So uh, uh, these bridges are, are more nefarious than the other bridges that are being built in this week's chapters, but uh, bridges nonetheless. Let's move on to Darrow. So the rest of our quotes are all coming from Darrow. There's several kind of relationships being established here. First, we've got Darrow and Severo. Yes. And the most important. Yes, they've, you know, we've been talking about this. They've been buttonheads. Severo's a real a-hole. Uh, but, I mean, he has, like, earned anger at Darrow, you know. Oh, for sure. And fully. And at the world. Yes, and at the world. like yeah, Definitely he, at Cassius. He just lost his son. Like, Cassius oh, this, killed his pa. 
It's, we're not saying that he's not allowed to be an asshole. I'm just saying that he is being an asshole. Yes. But it's it's reaching ahead, right? Like it's gotten to a point where it's just like it's like we actually can't successfully yes. not all die if you don't stop <laughs> fucking us. We're incapable of functioning. So like you either gotta get with the program or you just gotta go ahead and just like move on. And we get this whole conversation between Severo and Daryl. They kind of go back and forth. There's actually some like headway made where Daryl or makes you know basically gives them that ultimatum. It's like, you've got to figure it out. And then he has this beautiful line at the end of the chapter, which I just love so much. And I'm super excited to hear Nick on this one. Take it away, Nick. In the cold prison of our minds, we are alone with our self-hatred, our doubts, and our guilt. No one more than Severo. A friend may reach through the bars and hold our hand, but they cannot open the door for us. Only the prisoner has that key. All I can do is remind him that we're waiting for him when he gets out. Beautiful. We are waiting for you, Severo. Banger. Darrow's built that bridge, right? He's like made himself the vulnerable one at this point and just like put the cards on the table and like Mm -hmm. forced the conversation to happen. And he's basically like, Severo, I'm on the other side of this bridge. Like you got to walk across. Yeah. You know, I can't force you across. And then... Also, we have this relationship that's trying to be repaired between Cassius and Severo. Or like made it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. They're, I guess you're right. It's not really repaired. It's like kind of like established. They were okay with each other yeah, at times. Yeah, I mean, Severo did the whole backflip to hang himself. Yes. To save Cassius. Mm-hmm. Like they've made up in the past, mm-hmm. but now Severo's back to being like fuck you dude you killed my dad those feelings still run deep yeah and they're justified and And now like lysander is like you know trying to kill mustang and victra and it's like and the whole reason they're out here in the first place is just lysander still existing yeah yeah (laughs) which was really darrow's fault but uh but anyway so they had this whole fight right and this is very reminiscent of morning star when daryl and the corridor fight yes get in a fight with each other and sometimes when you're just bros (laughs) you just gotta like hit each other (laughs) to like talk about your feelings that's how bros do it how how many like loving fist fights have you been in you know uh none oh i'm not much of a fist fighter yeah, me either. <laughs> the I've only been time I ever hit in the face, but I've never hit someone in the face. <laughs> the only time I've ever hit someone in the face was when I was a, a child. I was like under ten, probably. Yeah. And this kid was ruining my birthday party. <laughs> and he I said, "Fuck you, dude!" Tackled him and hit him in the face. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. But I was like really scared that I did it, you know, and like, like scared oh, that it happened. And you were like, oh, I'm, and I was like, yeah, that's I was when like, you I'm not how, built for this at all. That's when you realized that you're like bigger than everybody because <laughs> you like kicked his ass. <laughs> well, I was like, you're being a dickhead and you're ruining my birthday party. Did you get it's in over trouble? for you? No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody really saw it. It nice. was like, yeah, dude, it was secret. like a private moment. Yeah. Damn, you're mean. <laughs> well, I learned a lot about myself in that moment. I was like, I can't. Like, I actually don't like can, fighting. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I could never ever do that again. And when I tried to hit him, like you know, I like pulled back and yeah. like the whole thing. It was just we learned a lot of lessons that day. You know, nice. yeah. 
You're just a big old softy. <laughs> Uh, but, but anyway, these two did yes. not pull back their punches. They did not. They didn't pull any punches at all, and they kind of had this big blowout, right? And then afterwards, we get this quote from Darrow and Cassius having a conversation about how it seems like there's been some gestures that maybe Severo's willing to work with Cassius. So let's hear this. I need you two to work together. Can you do that? I ask. He looks after Severo. Maybe. He left me a bottle of Moonswill. Well, I think he's been making it in the machine shop. Lyria can vouch. It's decent stuff. An olive branch <laughs> of Moonswill. Do you think he's actually trying to poison Cassie? <laughs> that was really good. Huh? Huh? <laughs> From Nick. <laughs> no, my first thought here was like, it's probably made out of piss. <laughs> Yeah, like Severo's playing a prank or something. Yeah. He would, I would not put that past him for sure. Uh, but it seems like, you know, there's something happening there where they kind of got that release of their feelings and now they can actually kind of move forward. Yes. Uh, and then lastly, Darrow, he's trying to build a brand new bridge to our man Diomedes. I like this bridge. This is a good bridge. And, you know, we've had that whole conversation. We talked about it in our chapter summaries. Like, Daryl's going through the whole conspiracy corner. He's laying it all out. Like, how could this all happen? And then this last quote is kind of like the last piece of that whole speech, that whole conversation he has with Daryl. So let's hear that one. War is hard, but this bastard is making it look easy. Too damn easy. So, all that combined... Where does it leave us? It leaves us to ask the question at the center of the maze. Qui bono? So, qui bono, Diomedes? Who benefits from all this death and destruction on the rim? Qui bono, Ben? Mm, that's a great, great question. What does qui bono mean? Who the fuck is pulling the strings? That's what it means. I actually Googled it. And that's what it means. <laughs> Are you sure about that? It means who the fuck is pulling the, the <laughs> Basically, strings? Basically. It's, it's, it's what Daryl asked there. Who benefits? Who the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's a yeah. common phrase. Qui bono. Qui bono. So yeah, I mean, he really does like, Diomedes doesn't give much away, but I think we can all... We all know, we know Diomedes at this point. Yeah. He's a thoughtful dude and he will listen to just like, he'll listen to people, right? He's and, not much for speaking, but he's there for listening. Right. And we know that he's capable of like thinking about things, you know, about this idea that maybe Daryl's not his enemy and that maybe they do have a common foe that they could take care of first Fuck. and then kind of figure it out because... Daryl's like really laying it out. He's like, the rim is fucked. You are fucked. Look right around, now. dude. You're not you gonna fix this. Yeah. Without he's, me, for he's sure. Like, Literally all your ships are fucked. Yeah. Except maybe the shadow armada, but you don't I don't know where it is. So this is kind of like the real planting of the seeds. Yeah. That will And Darrow is kind of not lying, but he's making his side sound stronger than sure. it is. Yeah, because he doesn't know the Athena stuff at yeah. all. He's um, like, yeah, we got tons of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> but yes, he's here planting the seeds that are going to germinate 
and then blossom by the end of the book into where we get a full on kind of alliance with Diomedes by the end of the book here. So, but this is where it all started and Daryl being willing to, you know, trust Diomedes and share information with him and help him out when he could just like cut his head off. That shows you that Daryl is, you know, learning and trying some, some new stuff. And like what Cassia said was true. It couldn't hurt to have a helpful raw. Mm hmm. When you're out Poking here. around Sungrave. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great. All right, that's this week's theme. Guess what's up next, Ben? How was Cassius hilarious today? The, I thought there were quite a few. I saw I thought I saw you filled it out on I the outline. A, I put two in. Yeah. I didn't know if you had more. I was gonna go with the moonswell. I love yeah. that he's giving Lyria who has a concussion. Yeah, so Moonshine. <laughs> Sever or Cassia says Lyria can vouch it's decent stuff and Darrow says she has a head injury Cassius <laughs> he says she only had a dram <laughs> how much is a dram I think just like you know like a swig a swig or two Pierce needs to start using units I understand <laughs> not metric <laughs> not slang <laughs> did she have a quarter of a cup <laughs> and then what's the next one uh he when he gets hit with a hammer it's a, a big hammer and he says right like what is he trying to prove <laughs> <laughs> yeah with that big hammer <laughs> freaking obsidian you know what Started. they say about big hammers gotta have big biceps to wield them <laughs> what they say all right let's move on to the prime five Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. I just really wanted to start the Prime Five by just calling out some Pierce just bangers. He had some banger, banger, great lines. I mean, I was just like, I was sitting on the couch in the morning reading this, and Amanda was reading her book, and I was just like, "You're going." I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I was like, "Damn!" And I was just reading stuff out loud. I was like. And she's like, That's shut so up. So good. No, I mean, a couple of them, like the the prison of your mind one. Yeah. She was like, oh, that is good. I was like. She's going to start reading these. I was like, yep. I have a set. He's got bangers. One I really like. This one's really sad. Like, this was a sad set of chapters. Just a lot oh, of yeah. just death and destruction and just like horrible de- shit happening. Depressing. And then just like the confrontation of Severo and Darrow talking about Ulysses was just awful. I thought there was a really great description of like that moment when Severo tells Darrow about Ulysses and Darrow says the sense of hope I'd been nursing since leaving the marcher shrinks to the size of a candle's flame. The wind howls in my heart, black and cold. The candle flickers and almost goes out. I don't know what to say. Severo is beat. He looks at his feet. Just let that imagery of the candle and your, yeah. and your heart in that moment, like, and like almost being blown out. Oof, that's just like, banger. That wasn't my reaction. I was like, oh, that's sad. Yeah, I thought that was so good. Let's see. There's another one. Severo and Daryl going, just going back and forth, talking about Cassius in this moment. And like, he's like, you need to fucking figure this shit out with Cassius, you know? But Severo says, forget that son of a whore, Bologna. And then Daryl says, I beat his brother to death with my bare hands. Cassius' twin. I cut his older brother in half. Our friends killed his da. 
and on and on and on. I'm shouting now, but damn it, he needs perspective. And despite all of that fucking murder, Severo, all that murder, Cassius is here with us right now, fighting for our future, fighting for you and your family back on Mars. He forgot to say, also, I cut his arm off and then <laughs> I married the woman that he loved. <laughs> yeah, like you could have thrown that in too. <laughs> but I just thought, I don't know. This is like super powerful stuff here. And then I think there was just a couple more. Um, I already mentioned the cold prison of our minds. Just that's one of my favorite lines in the whole book. Are you living in a cold prison of your mind? No, not. I mean, I have been in a cold prison of my mind at times. We currently live in a cold prison. We are currently in a cold tundra prison. Negative nine. Kansas City. It's ridiculous. It uh, was like high of 10 today. I'm just like, when it did I great. move to fucking Minnesota? All right. And then the last one, just like, like I said, this is kind of depressing, but the descriptions of them going into Sungrave and like seeing all the people fighting like seeing the remnants of that battle and mm-hmm. just like how horrible it was. I thought this was really great. Uh, we move on. The defenders made a last stand only a few levels down the spine. Gray, green, orange, red, and brown. Their corpses lie together, equal in death, if not in life. I feel exposed seeing the bodies twisted together. So many of the problems I've caused are because I valued some lives over others. The core over the rim. The people of Mars over the people of Mercury. Seeing what Fa has done to Io, seeing the dead of a city I plan to liberate, one day fills me with guilt and dread in equal measure. But there is something else there, an urge to right these wrongs. That's a whole huge setup for like what happens later on with his trial and just like basically, yeah. you know, atoning for his sins with the sons of Ares on the rim. I really like, I really love that. Just their corpses lie together equal in death, if not in life. It's really, I I just thought, man, Pierce brought it this week. He did. Good job, Pierce. And take a drink. Pierce is a great writer. (laughs) What's next on the list? The (laughs) more eye rolling at Lysander. Mm. He's just real annoying. Golly. He really is. We see, especially in these chapters, we see like re- the reality of what's going on. Mm-hmm. We're on the ground with all this death and the people being enslaved by Askamani and being shipped off to God knows where. And we know because of Atlas that they're all like poisoned Yeah, and they're all going to die horrible deaths. Mm. Yeah. They're all sick because they're going to basically infest the Askamani out in the far ink with yeah. sickness and kill all of them. Right. Yeah. Which is how we kill ants in our home. <laughs> right um but yeah lysander obviously he has no power here but he does try to justify it so then it's like it makes it worse if he were just like this is fucked i can't believe i have to do this yeah like that would be easier to swallow than him like acting like he has morals while he's going along with it yeah you're, you're still going along with all he's just kind of like turns his nose up at all of it and like looks down upon all of it, but it's all happening and he's all like, well, this must, you know, like this must happen for me to come into power. But when I get in power, it's going to be so much better. Right. And I'm going to not have this stuff happen. Like, obviously we know he can't, 
he can't do anything at this moment to like stop all this from happening. Right. But it's like the way he's going along with yes. it. And that's why he's so tough to like, I yeah. feel like. And why he always sounds like such a hypocrite because he's got this like moral compass. But does he really like... I, it's yeah, still you know, very space racist. Right. It's just like it's warped in a way that is, you know for the what he the way he like justifies it in his head to himself and like the stories he tells himself you're yeah. just like come on brother and then did you notice how space racist he was with the gorgons <laughs> yes the kin shield he's like the kin shield wow these guys are like the Full. references they're even correct context no he's like <laughs> it's it's almost it felt to me like like mansplaining or something like oh you use that in the right context (laughs) like that was actually funny yeah (laughs) that's a fight ben and i get it that was actually funny oh was it but yeah he was very space racist like oh my god i didn't know obsidians yeah could could be nuanced (laughs) right oh yeah that whole thing was just like all right lysander yeah Okay, what's next? Uh, we've got, you know, Father Fraud. Obviously, I think we touched on that a lot, but I did want to get into a little bit of Volga talk because we hear that she actually did try to kill Fa. Yes. So I think that's important to note. I know people get very well, frustrated. It's like one sentence. Yes. I know people get frustrated with Volga in this book because it seems like she's totally different. Yeah. But I think that's explained a little bit here. And like she did go out there with the intention of trying to kill him. And she did actually make an attempt on his life. Yeah. But clearly, Fa is a really good talker. And Volga, very naive, very gullible. Yes. Very and she needed, easily influenced. She needed someone to fill the father figure. <laughs> yes, heart. From Ephraim. Yeah. Like the there was a hole in her heart. And she's looking for something. And, and then, it was a Fa-sized hole. Yes. Well, and... Fa's obviously extremely clever, very tricky, and, you know, clearly very smart. And so, like, he said, I reasoned her through it. And yeah. so, you know, he basically, I'm assuming, uh, convinced her that she's being used, you know, as a tool uh, by these people and that mm-hmm. they don't actually care about her, but I care about But these you. are your people. Yes. And we're going to make a kingdom and we're gonna out have- here. A whole zoo for you, baby. Yes. And then I also just wanted to give one shout out to Ephraim. Oh, man. It's just they, like. Well, they're like, oh, uh, Atlas, you would have loved Ephraim. He clearly <laughs> like was a great uh, spy guy. You know, yeah. like Volga has so many cool skills. Except that, like you don't know Ephraim at all because he would never, ever do shit for Atlas. He might as a means to an end. He did steal <laughs> children. That yeah, I guess maybe, but and if he knew that it was Atlas and how horrible Atlas was, it's just as scary. Yeah, I guess maybe, <laughs> but I I don't know. It was just like it's great to hear about our guy. Ephraim was on a lot of drugs. Yeah, you you don't know what he would have done. That's true. I'm I don't I, I still think, think if it was in order to like save Volga, he probably would have. I mean, he did get he got offered to work with Atlas and he didn't. So. Oh. Uh, I mean, Xenophon offered him a job, so. Right. I also, while we're talking about Fa, this is when we first find out, these chapters, mm-hmm. this is when we find out that yes. not only is he 
we already we found out he's working with Atlas, but now we see like he's using a voice modulator mm-hmm. and he actually doesn't like war and he wants to have a spa treatment <laughs> and have like four houses on different planets. He's a fancy boy. What did you think about that in the moment? Do you remember? Fancy fa. It's fancy fa. Fancy fa. Well, I went through the book first on the audiobook and <laughs> it's pretty crazy <laughs> because TGR talks like this the whole time. And then he's like, oh, that's better. <laughs> I, I need to go and back like, and listen to that. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not just on the page in your head, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a uh, jarring. It was like, Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I was glad cause I was like, feeling like this probably hurt his voice <laughs> and i was like don't hurt your voice Just relieved for TGR. tgr we need yeah. it the golden pipes man i don't know i read through this book so fast it's hard to remember like what my initial like thoughts and feelings were in the moment when i read this but i'm i'm on record as i like this whole father fraud thing i yeah, like that. i yeah. kind of like that he's the wizard of oz um the and, man behind the curtain right and so I, I don't think I had any issues in that, but I remember being like, whoa, especially with the voice modulation yeah. thing. Cause that yeah. was like, then you're like shit. And Volga <laughs> doesn't even know that. Right. Like she's, sh- they, they say like, she's only heard what they've sold to the Volk. Yeah. Yep. And I think that makes Ragnar even cooler that he who speaks in bold actually Spoke does in bold. speak in bold. And Fa, the imposter. He does not speak in bold. He does bold. not actually speak in bold. I think that makes that's relief for me, you know, because he was like kind of encroaching on Ragnar's territory there mm-hmm. by speaking in bold. And if you don't, if you only read audiobooks, uh, it's bold I mean, text. If you only listen to the audiobooks, yes. Anytime like Ra- Ragnar or Fa speaks, it's always in bold text. So that's why we say he who speaks, he who in, speaks bold. in bold. So I think that was, that was good too. Fake bold. Yes. Next up, we learn about the Ed me, I'd me, or as we say, eat me. I devour. I devour. To uh, edit. Yes. We learn that Atlas has his limits as well. Yeah, he won't kill his mom. And he won't kill his mom. So we learn some big. <laughs> bombs here yeah that atlas would kill a whole color on us it said on a sphere i noticed so that doesn't mean like the gold's on every planet right they could target mars yeah and be like i think that's important call out yeah kill all the golds on mars and then right everywhere else the golds are fine yeah also this seems like very advanced technology for like Akari and Selenius times, you know? 750 years ago, you mean? Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do we know if it works? What if it's like... <laughs> I was just about to say that. Fake? Do you think it works? I don't know. I was. I had that thought this time, too. I was like, do you think this is actually like real? I think testing it would be a little dangerous. Right. Well, I wonder if we're they going go to get... They could go out to Pluto and t- test it. Right. I wonder if we're going to get like a test at some point in the next book mm. to see and then like... So that, you know, raises the deep, stakes. Because we actually see that 
it does work. Deep grave? Yeah, deep grave. But to finish my sentence, he'll kill a whole color, but not his mom. Not his mom. Because who would kill their own mother? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. Yeah, this whole, I still find the whole like. Killed your nephew. Atlas is emotionally distraught about fucking up everything raw family. You think he's emotionally distraught? What? He is clearly emotionally oh. like conflicted about the entire the thing. thing. He is, admits so to that. He has But I still find it weird. That still doesn't like click for me with him. Well, he has regrets, but he's not I don't think he's like tore up from the floor up, but he also isn't killing them himself. Right. Like the obsidians are doing it and he's not there. He's not seeing Gaia kill all the young children yeah but i mean he is like he's just directing destroying it from his afar. family line and the city and uh, i mean like their whole history and like he does admit to being distraught about the situation but but he's like detached but he's like detached from it too yeah i don't know i just I he's have, a hard dude to understand i have a thought yeah do you think he got brain diddled by Octavia and that's why he's so hardcore for the society. I don't know. I don't know. Like, why does he care so much about making the rim pay? It's crazy. Because he loves the society. To me, his motivation purely comes out of his just like love of the society and how much he detests Darrow and like the fact that he had the uprising and you know is possibly shunting the progress of humanity that society you know holds this like ideal like the way the reason society was set up was so that humanity could go on forever and ever and ever and I just feel like he's like purely obsessed with that so you think it's not so just much. The, and then so offended by Darrow. So it's not just the Moon Lord rebellion, it's also going along with Darrow. He started this plan before Darrow. Right. Yeah. So like I think a lot of it does have to just do with like purely his love for society and the ideals of the core. Yeah. Too much, dude. Like you can be indoctrinated, but like don't be so successful at it like just like you know be a little lazier take a vacation we talked about this last week he's working way too hard working too hard doing too much he needs to way too dedicated go to the spa with fa yeah like why don't you retire yes (laughs) and maybe he would have we'll never know and then our last item on the prime five cassius and daryl fighting together again this was like our whole cornucopia sprinting to the the cornucopia again yes and this is our first time we get darrow like getting his groove back yeah yeah we see darrow in action and cassie's goes like damn dude you were (laughs) kicking ass and darrow's like i was kicking ass (laughs) yeah getting his groove back i love how how much this book just like echoes our past books and like that's one of the things that i really love about like star wars is it just like it's kind of a poem where there's like reverberations uh throughout the movies that kind of echo 
things that happened in the past. The nerdiest shit. And <laughs> it all sings. It, it you know, it, it goes together. And so I love how we're getting similar type moments, but now in the future with different stakes mm-hmm. and... No, I love it too. Reconnection. We still get that nostalgia, but it moves the story forward. And Right. Like we have nostalgia. Yeah. For those moments. So I hope he keeps doing it as we come to a close. Right. On the series. Um, So yeah, I think that was, it was good to see them back in action again. And Darrow about to go full God killer mode. Yes. Yeah. It's great. That's exciting. He probably needed that little fight to loosen up right right i know it's like his joint daryl hasn't been in action for a a lot of chapters here well he hadn't been in a fight since apple and he didn't do too well he got his shit pushed in yeah all right now that we finished our prime five it's time to name our primus of the week where we choose one character who conquered our proctors of plot rose above the rest primus of the week is darrow darrow this feels good it could be Darrow. I think it's Darrow. It has to be Darrow. Because he got Cassius and Severo to fight it out. Yep. Confronted their issues with each other. Now they're on and the road he, to like, making up. Sweet talked Severo back into not being a total dickhead. Yep. He sweet talked Diomedes. Yep. He pulled back the curtain for Diomedes. He's planting those seeds for a future alliance. Yes. He, he uncuffed him and was like, Parley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Salve. <laughs> Salve. And then he Cassius. Uh, saves Cassius. He saves Cassius. And gets his groove back at the same time. Daryl gets his groove back on Io. It wasn't that a theme one week. <laughs> I don't I know. Think it was, we talked it was a lot like about Medea, getting but your Darrow groove, gets groove, his back. groove back. Stella. She Stella. got her groove back. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Darrow did a great job. Some sub winners could be Lyria and Ore who are trying to help, but they're just so small mm-hmm. and they just kept getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if, if that had been Ore and not Lyria, she would have fucking died. Yeah. I think the only other option for a winner this week would have been like Fa, because um, he killed a dragon and he gets to retire. He he raised all the cities and killed a bunch and of people. And he gets to retire to go be a fancy boy. I don't think we should let him win. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think it's Darrow. I think it's Darrow. Yeah. I think Darrow's going to start winning back to back. Back to back weeks. Get a hat all right. trick. All right. All right. Uh, are you ready for some Howler mailbag? Hell yeah. Let's, uh, let's go to our tidbits. Cassie Pete, you're up. Hello, Howlers. It's Cassie with tidbits for chapters 48 through 54. So this week, I think I have like four or five, maybe six, starting off with a couple of classic Pierce tidbits. The first one is the name of Atlas's Blops ship gets mentioned again. Um, It is called the Lethe, one of the rivers in Hades. We learned earlier that he has another ship named Styx. So he has a little naming scheme for his ships. The Greek word Lethe means oblivion, which is fitting because if we remember from last time, the phrase Porea Mundus, though the world be destroyed or let the world be destroyed. And it also means forgetfulness and concealment, which is also fitting because Atlas and Lysander used the Lethe 
uh, while they're concealing their true identities to go meet Fa and the boys. And also an interesting fact, according to Wikipedia, the opposite of lethe, alethia, or unconcealment, means truth in Greek, which in the context of the book, uh, truth was co-opted in the form of Helios, was co-opted and then extinguished when fear arrived on lethe. I just like that, that kind of sequence and the correlation. So number two, Atlas and Moonboy uh, have come to Plutus to see Fa. Plutus is the Greek god of wealth and also the son of Demeter. So I guess in ancient Greece, you know, agriculture brings wealth. And I thought it was kind of pierced to keep Plutus close to Demeter in universe. However, the circumstances under which we encounter the two mythological references have a very sad Bambi vibe to them. Moving on to some general tidbits. Three, in Plutus, we see another thing that might make us question how Atlas can truly love the society as much as he claims to. So Ben and Aaron, you guys talked about this last episode. The same society he professes to love with spit on the kinshield obsidians that he has so lovingly taught and cultivated, and so easily gives the smile that, you know, his son would do anything just to get a shred of. Number four, while I also believe Cameron's red god theory of total eat me destruction to be far-fetched, the one from last episode, I love the very loose parallels where the eat me in that scenario would be like the nuclear holocaust released by the Cylons, and then the asteroid ship that all the humans are, the homo sapiens are on, would be like the Galactica fleet, and then the humans will arrive at some distant world and name it after this mythical planet that they have in their text called Earth. So say we all. Five, astronomical imagery. So Pierce says that from the surface of Io, Jupiter subtends an arc of 19.5 degrees. In the book, he gives imagery that basically says Jupiter is huge in the sky, but like he gives such specific measurements, I, I didn't know what subtend means. So when I googled, it seems to be that you look at one edge of something, and then basically draw a straight line through to the edge from where you are, you turn and draw another straight line to the other edge of the thing you're looking at, and the angle is that 19.5 degrees that Pierce was talking about. So if you're looking at the surface of the planet, or of the moon, so from the horizon you go up 19.5 degrees, even if you can see completely 90 degrees above your head, that would still take up 21% of the sky vertically. Now, considering that you can't really see all the way up, the field of view that Jupiter would take up from the horizon would be a sizable chunk of your night sky, and then expand the sphere out, you know, to the sides, and basically you're just staring at Jupiter, which is crazy, and I love that imagery. Tidbit 6, the last one. In chapter 53, I love that Pierce has Daryl ponder about the fate of the young Seraphina that he met in Morningstar. His thought shocked me when I read it, because to me, it was very obvious that Seraphina is very dramatically and abruptly dead, like in some magic trick gone wrong. And I was like, dude, where have you been, Daryl? Hiding in some table or hunk of trash for eight to nine months? Of course, there was no way he would know, just like none of them knew about Ulysses. 
So hail Pierce's writing. Drink up. And that's it for this week's tidbits. Thanks for listening. Hickus lupus, motherfucker. Ow! Wonderful tidbits as always. A lot of, you gotta drink a lot this week. Yeah. Pierce is really on his game. Unless you're doing dry January, then drink up your water. (laughs) I also love the, him talking about the size of Jupiter. Ah, that was really cool. That was a good call out. At first, I'm thinking, all you see is Jupiter, no sky. But then, like when he described it, it's like, oh, it'd be like, like a, big ass hump in the <laughs> yeah, sky yeah. be like a whale it'd be right there i mean it'd be yeah. right up in your face but, but that'd be really cool yes yeah it reminds me of those like futuristic movies where they show like two moons or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yes lots of great imagery i also liked when he was talking about uh oh sitting there like oh i remember seraphina i wonder what happened to her <laughs> it's yeah. like she got rail slugged bro she got fucking chopped in half she left her in the desert she got exploded (laughs) i thought it was a fantastic point about atlas and his obsidians and how much because we were just talking about this how much he loves the society but yes they would spit on him for his relationship there so how do we square that brother dude that's why i'm like did he get diddled it seems like his desires I don't know. Does he have... He's a complicated fellow. We should get to know him better. <laughs> we'll try for these next few you go, weeks. You go get to know him. I'll, <laughs> I'll hear what you find out. Uh, thank you, Cassie. Those were thank wonderful. Thank you, Cassie P. You do a great job with that. All right. I think Crush called us back. Crush! <laughs> ben and Aaron, it is I, Senior Crush. Uh, wow. I've never been given a cool nickname like that. So Aaron, you just went, you went top bill. You're the top of my hierarchy. Uh, and we both be pixies together. Be pixies at the top. Why not? Right. Uh, I, wow. I sound like a chipmunk hearing myself. I also, in my own defense was on a lot of Red Bull. I had a long drive ahead of me. My real name is Catelyn. And I am from Vancouver Island, British Columbia, Canada. And yeah, the archaeology, it's fun. Uh, To answer your question, no, I do not dig up dinosaurs. That is probably the number one question I get, though, uh, which is what's the coolest dinosaur uh, that I've ever found. And I've never found one uh, because I don't study those because Ben is correct. I am not a paleontologist. So mad props to both of you, Aaron, for the kick-ass nickname. Ben for knowing the difference between a paleontologist and an archaeologist. And honestly, you guys, this podcast, you're doing a great job. I really look forward to it every week. Kathy P's breakdown has been super cool. I find this community really awesome. Cannot wait for Red God. If anyone wants a, a, a little thing to read in the interim, uh, plug here for my friend, Clara Kumagai. She's just released her first book, called Catfish Rolling, if you like uh, sci-fi and mystery and fantasy and Japanese folklore, then this is the book for you. It's a great read, Catfish Rolling by Clara Kumagai. Anyway, love you guys. Thank you so much again for this podcast. I'm really, really stoked on it, and I can't wait for more of the chapter reviews and for what's coming with Red God. Omnis Weir Lupus. Ah!
<laughs> Thanks, Crash. <laughs> my brother. I'm only slightly disappointed that Aaron's now at the top I'm of the heart. I'm Yeah. I had some jokes. <laughs> You're Catelyn said we're at the <laughs> top. The pixie's on top. I said, or the bottom. <laughs> also, Catelyn makes me want to yell, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Cat- Katniss. Katniss. Yeah. <laughs> <Emma> <laughs> we're gonna call you crush um, <laughs> we're gonna call you we're crush. gonna call you crush yes thank you for the kind kind voice the book was catfish rolling by clara kumagai it has a nice cover that's on an it. excellent cover it's that's nice got me cover. very interested yeah. a new york times bestseller love it thank you for calling in love our canadian howlers there's a few of you up there Fade to Obsidian is Canadian. Mm, they are. Did you know? Skipper and Crescent. Shout out. Uh, I bet you guys live in the same spot. It's, <laughs> it's Canada's. There's not a lot of space. Very small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm right about that too. Yes. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he's not Ross Geller. He's the other one. <laughs> the other one. I actually, I actually Googled it after and I was like, oh, yeah. Ben not, did know what he's talking not about. Not the same thing. Yeah. You typically do, but yeah. I like to make sure. Thanks. Thanks, Crush, for calling back. All Call right. us anytime. We've got an email here from uh, Rihanna. I hope it's that Rihanna. Work, 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 work. It looks like it's spelled slightly differently. Mm. Frankie, I hope you're listening because Rihanna's got ideas for your kid's name. Oh, we're bringing back the segment. Yes. Name Frankie's kid. <laughs> This kid uh, is still cooking, so we got time. Rihanna says, never wrote in before, but was inspired when listening to episode 103, naming Frankie's kid. I've named a couple kids myself. I've also been named, so I'm pretty experienced. My father actually wanted to name me Electra, so that was hardcore on the docket for baby two, and will always have my vote for a girl because I mean Electra. Yes. Great. Hatchet face. <laughs> Virginia was also a possibility. That was my grandmother's name and also the Sovereign. Yes. Um, let's not forget Bren, though, the mother of the coolest kid around. Oh, so Bren's a good the, one. Bren's a really good one. It's pretty. Uh, but we ended up having a boy, and it was a toss-up between Cassius, not Cassius, <laughs> and Atlas. We rolled with the devil. I mean, so uh, what if he's a diabolical monster? At least you know he's not going to fall down easy. No regrets. Love. Rihanna. So Atlas, Cassius, Bryn, Virginia, Electra. These are all and Atlas, yeah. These are all good Did you names. Say Atlas? I okay. said Atlas, okay. yeah. Yeah, I hope your kid's not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> don't have him read the books until he's older. <laughs> don't want him, him to be inspired. Well, you know, just don't send him off into far deep space. To with live with a strange family of alien monsters. You know. Yeah. Well, first he was a ward as a child. Right. Before he was sent into deep That's space. That's true. That's true. He was sent from deep space. Yes. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. And everyone else, name Frankie's kid. <laughs> yes. We got to Keep naming Frankie's child until that thing is born and named. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into? I watched a great movie mm. on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I think I... I think it's like $3 or something. I don't know. Yeah, I had to pay for it. But it's called Past Lives. Mm-hmm. It's about childhood friends that grew up together in Korea, South Korea, in Seoul. And the it's a guy and a girl. And they're like 
young boyfriend girlfriend they're like i don't know 12 or something Mm -hmm. and uh the girl moves with her family to the united states and then they like fall out of touch Mm -hmm. and then she uh and he get back together on the internet to like talk to each other and it's just like a really sweet story of friendship of long-term friendship of her kind of going back to her South Korean roots a little bit when she like talks to him mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a sweet story. I fucking cried. <laughs> ben came over, John and Ben were out drinking and I'm dry January at home crying. And, uh, you guys came in like right after it finished. I was just like, I just, I just watched the best movie. So if you're a sucker for love stories, it's it's a sweet movie and it pulls at your heartstrings, man. And you know if it got Aaron to cry, it's well, really good. I cry all the time. What are you talking about? I don't know about that. <laughs> if it's animated, I will cry. <laughs> yeah. This isn't animated. You have a pretty cold, dead heart sometimes. Not, not with uh, soundtracks. If you put music <laughs> you behind put music anything, to it, then I'll cry. Okay, that's yes. good to know. If you ever want me to care about what you're saying, just like add some <laughs> Show you orchestral like a sounds. <laughs> Slideshow yeah. music. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. The music always gets me. But I would I would highly recommend. I. It's also, the movie is both in English and Korean. So there's like subtitles here and there, just so you know. That yeah, but you were clearly locked in. I was locked in. I, at first, I was kind of like, Ugh, I have to read. Like, I can't look at my phone. <laughs> but then I was just like. But then you're engrossed. In engrossed. Yeah. I had to be because I had to read. Mm-hmm. It's great. Nice. That sounds ben, good. I've heard a lot of good things about that one. Yes. I, I, someone on TikTok was like, you have to watch it. And I was like, okay, I do whatever TikTok tells me to do, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Ben, what are you into this week? Um, I'm not into any kind of TV shows or movies. This week, I just randomly bought a digital picture frame. Oh, like the ones they were like, buy this for your grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a grandpa, apparently. <laughs> but nice. you can like upload photos through it, to it through an app. and then Oh, it doesn't play just all your photos? Well, you can upload as many photos. It's like 30 gigs of memory. And okay. I have but like you choose. 50 photos on there right now and it has plenty of memory left. But you put them all on there and it will like slideshow through them. You can swipe through them if you want. You can put little videos on there if you want. Nice. Is I there sound? Just if you want it to have sound, it can, but you turn it off. So it's like an iPad. Yeah, basically. But, but a picture frame. Nice. And you can hang it on the wall or you can set it on your desk. And I just think it is lovely. <laughs> I love it. It's just so nice. It's great. Like all these photos that have been on my phone forever that I don't ever really look at. I throw them up on there. Now they're showing up in my life all the time. I'm like, that was awesome. I love that photo. Uh, So every time you glance over, it's a new photo. I would highly recommend getting one of these and getting those photos off your phone and into your life. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's a great pitch. I bought a Framio. It was like 50 bucks on Amazon. Okay, and, yeah, there's different you know, brands. There's all all kinds of different brands and shit, so find one that works for you. But I think you'll like it. Try it out. I love it. And probably a good gift. I think it would be a great gift. Yeah, I'm like, who can I buy this for now? Me. 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Howlers. Next week on Howler Pod, we're doing chapters 55 to 62. Yeah, we're getting close here. Getting closer to the end. We've got. I Makes think... me sad. We should just start doing one chapter a week. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to. The theme for this chapter. <laughs> Let me check. I think we have like four or five episodes we, left. We go into the first of March. Yeah, we go to the first of March. So yeah. that would be like five. Yes, five episodes left. We're about to go back into our dark hole where we wait until Pierce releases a book <laughs> and we don't. We don't live our lives until a book comes out. <laughs> we just sit and wait. We don't blink. Mm, never. Never blink. Just waiting. Just wait. Yep. All right. Special thanks to Miles for the episode art. Mm. Follow Miles at M. Bensky Designs. And someone asked us where you can buy prints. If you go to his Instagram, there's a, a, link, to a shop. link to the shop. At M. Bensky Designs. Special thanks to Nick Brenlow for the amazing voice work. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like the videos. Share them all around. Bother. Uh Comment. Bother your friends with them. (laughs) Mom, watch. (laughs) These strangers. (laughs) Follow us at HowlerPod, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever, Facebook, Etsy. Email us HowlerMailbag at HowlerPod.com at gmail.com leave a voicemail 1-800-516-1540 and we've had a lot of voicemails and emails if we didn't get to your stuff we will either you know at some point or we always do kind of a wrap-up episode with a mailbag so yeah i save them mailbag episode find links to it all at hollerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only if you don't give us five stars only then we'll hit you with a big hammer. <laughs> Why's it got to be big? Big bus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alex. Nisphere Lupus. Oh! Oh!